over time, it became not just photography, not just video editing, videography. Then he got into drones. You're listening to episode 102 of Making Conversations Count. And as a special treat for you, you have three Harrises in your ears today. If somebody were to artificially create and, and give it a stamp and say, okay, from 10 in the morning to 12 every day, you're going to get a grade on this. Your child could actually shine and be the best ever in that field. I'm joined by Rene and Jonathan Harris, and we're going to be covering a hot topic from 2020, and that is homeschooling. So what on earth has homeschooling got to do with business, Wendy Wu? Well, let me tell you, Rene and Jonathan have had a different approach to homeschooling for many years. And the way that they have involved the whole family has led to them making conversations about creating business opportunities count. From the beginning, we wanted to homeschool. We did know that, I should say, from the beginning, from the time our kids were of becoming of school ages when we discovered, oh, there's this option. Let's learn about it. We talked to some other families that were homeschooling and found this is a good fit for us. This would be great. It was a four-year-old, two-year-old, and then we had twins, so we may have had four at the time, but two that were of school age when we were talking and thinking about it. I came from a public high school background. I taught public high school, so that didn't really come into play yet, but that I knew what school was like and I felt confident. Well, if I can teach high school, I could probably do this too. Turns out that has nothing. You don't need those skills. You don't, that is no, if anything, it ruins you because <laughs> you have to change your mindset. You have to look at there's more opportunities. Jonathan actually was able to work from home in a tech field as an employee. So we had no, no businesses going. We hadn't even considered starting a business along the way. You know, we had a, my sons and I were just working on a, a little farmer's market stand. So it was a product that I had that fixed my own skin. And I thought, well, you know, this be kind of fun. There's a little farmer's market starting up. We're very community oriented. And we thought this might be a fun thing for the kids and I to do together. And they were eight and 10 at the time. I consider myself an introvert to even set up a booth and try to sell something was didn't seem my personality type. However, I loved it so much and my boys enjoyed it with me. And it was so enriching that we went back. One is a lot more gregarious and the other is, is a lot more kind of behind the scenes. So I gave them different jobs. So yeah, but it ended up just like, yeah, this is fun. And it, it's not like we made a ton of money, but we did a lot of trading for other goods and from the other vendors and so on. But it was a very good learning experience. Fast forward to after a few months of that, we thought, well, let's take this online. Jonathan's got the tech skills. We can actually just start the little business and maybe have a little side income. This is right before or I guess during a big recession in 2008. So this is where we weren't really thinking we needed a second income. We were like, well, his company is taking away some of those privileges that we're relying on, like a cell phone and so on. And so maybe having a little bit of this extra income could be helpful. So let's just put this online and so on. And then uh, from there, I think it was about a year later, we progressed with it online and we were making some sales and thought this could actually help support the family a tiny bit more. You know, just a little, that extra thousand dollars a month is helpful. And that we were able to do that online. 
I think when I think about a, a pivotal conversation that we had, Jonathan and I had, was about a year later. I was pregnant with number eight, and she was due the next month. His parents were out visiting us. Uh, they live in France, but they came out to stay with us with the baby being born. And Jonathan said, well, let's go on our walk. And we would take these, especially me being so pregnant, we would take walks up and down the neighborhood. And he said, I just got laid off. <laughs> so this was a conversation where life could change all at one time. And we had to uh, come home and decide, what are we going to do? Like we have this little tiny business that's making a little bit of money on the side. We didn't want to have to move away from where. Yeah, we fell in love with the community that we're in. And we're in a more semi-rural part of California. So we're not near the big metro areas where you could go across town and apply different jobs. So we knew that uh, in order for me to stay in this area with the skills that I had, would be very, very difficult. So it would be likely I'd have to move maybe even to another state. We didn't want to do that. So we decided let's just put our savings. Let's just put all of our like investment into trying to get this business to take off because we just didn't want to have to move our whole family to the Bay for us and be the Bay Area. So what I get from that is you totally knew that you were onto something or you would not have made that risk with the circumstances around you. You kind of knew you'd got to create this opportunity. I think we were not completely figuring it all out yet. We didn't know how. We knew it was going to be a risk. And maybe it was a little bit of like, what other choice do we have? <laughs> well, you know, I should say the product that she was making, which is a skincare product, which doesn't sound very exciting. But for us personally, it was because she had this very specific skin condition that she could not get resolved as far as like cracks skin. And she had tried every product on the market. And it was so it was so effective for her personally I think that's what kind of gave that confidence when she was, she wasn't just selling a product. She had a hundred percent confidence that this works. So I think that covered over, you know, being shy or introverted, she knew intimately the product. And so I think that's also partly what propelled it. It was, it was something exciting personally for her. And that makes a difference. We had a lot of kids. So we're kind of used to having going kind of against the flow or, or going differently than a regular path that. The, the safe path, I guess some people could say, because we had a lot of kids. We were used to doing things a little bit differently anyway. So that that gave us like, well, let's at least try this and see where it takes us. So, And of course, because it worked so well for you, Renee, that's that's the proof that we need, isn't it? That's what cements our conversation, because you're speaking from the heart. You're not yeah. just trying to stick a, a, a square peg in a round hole and make something of something right you knew it worked already so yeah. and and that's what we all buy into more than anything isn't it is that you can tell can't you yeah. what, do they mean it is it really going to work or not we all have those filters don't we and, and having a, the opportunity to speak face to face to people at farmers farmers market for me was huge because i could tell the type of people that needed the product you know these were you would think it'd be okay, only women or only moms or only, you know, people who wash their hands a lot because it was a dry skin issue. But no, I would have these farmers come, these ranchers and these men, these mechanics. And they came by, they would come to our booth because they thought, and my boys were giving samples, they thought it was cheese because it looked like little pieces of cheese. So these men are coming because they think it's going to be free food. But no, <laughs> I have my boys show them how it works. And then we had a conversation, no, it's for dry skin. And, you know, we explain it. But these men, you know, I see them walking away. They've got it on their hands. They're trying it out. Then they loop around and come straight back. 
because they want to know more about it. And like, oh, this really does feel good on my skin. What is it? Now they want to know more. For me to have that confidence, like I can convince, you know, a 65-year-old rancher cowboy guy that you would never buy a female product. <laughs> it does it does give you some confidence, you know, but you know that it's helping people. And I think that that face-to-face contact at the farmer's market was really helpful. Being in those sorts of situations, and I, I know I was 13 on the markets that was my first job so I know exactly you're thrown in to the pool of personalities there's there's no hiding from any kind of characteristic that you're going to get and having your children being able to help you as well having you know their witness their bearing witness to watching their mom get fixed yeah. by this cream they're watching their mom's confidence grow there's no convincing needed because you know i know when i use a hand product if it's good i can still feel the benefits a few minutes after i've put it on right yes often yes. It's, it it feels good for about a minute and then mm-hmm. that feeling in your hands just disappears right and that's exactly what those uh, farmers and mechanics were experiencing. And I know I've been doing a heap of gardening lately. And my hands desperately need something to nourish afterwards, you know, because you're constantly washing your hands because you're in between jobs. So I, th- I think it's, it's fascinating that did, was that what led you to seeing different traits within the children as to how they could apply themselves in business? Because I know that's sort of part of the story as well, isn't it? Yes. In fact, what what happened with that was the fact that here we are, we're changing our lifestyle. We don't have a set income to rely on every week. So a lot of it had to do with, okay, the kids are going to have to either get on board or really get used to us cutting back a lot. You know, their activities were going to have to take a back seat. We didn't really tend to have kids in sports and kids in ballet and kids in taekwondo and so on anyway. But we were also going to be on a very small income for a while and they would have their activities would cut back. And then the second part of that was we saw that, wait, they have skills and interests that we can pull in, especially our oldest, because by then he was like 11 or hitting 12. So he, he, we saw a skill set in him that we could find useful for us to use in our business. All of that put together. And, and my oldest at that time was 12. He's now 24. 25, yeah, 25. 25. Okay, 24. We're bumping into the teen years now. We're start right, coming right up on this. And, and of course, my own memory of my education at that age is a lot more fresh. I can remember that. We're getting involved in accelerating his education at home. So we're homeschooling. And so we have a lot of freedom to you know, do more of English or more of math, whatever we want to do. And what we wind up doing is like, why couldn't we make their education, which was important to us, be a lot more business focused in the in the good sense of the word? Like, how is what they're learning going to help them after high school? So we around us are we had older friends. We we're starting to become highly aware that the education that people were getting good education, by the way, was not really helping them for after their formal education years. They were back to trying to figure it out. And so we we're saying, why can't we? do this sooner because we were feeling the pain of unemployment. We could have potentially stayed in the field that I was in, but it would have required us to move around the country a lot. And we're like, no way. Uh, we want to be here in this community. We're putting down roots and especially I wanted to be at home or as much as I could with the teens 
And so why can't we get those kids thinking about life after after formal school a lot more? And one of the ways is why can't they help us? So she was saying, we a push pull. So we want to do something bigger with our kids. And at the same time, we also needed them. And that would be as simple as putting stickers, right, on the lip balm tubes or putting them in packages. And But to take it even a step, what Jonathan noticed is that we could actually not just put them in on those little menial tasks that, yes, they could do. They could state papers together. They could file for us. But what about doing the things that they were already showing an interest in? So our oldest was interested in photography. He had a camera that we got from a, a relative and he was already using it, taking pictures, enjoying, you know, just taking pictures of things outside or his friends doing funny jumps on their skateboards or whatever. But we also had a problem that we needed solved. And because our product was online, we needed some decent photography product shots of our products that looked better than what I could take. (laughs) And so since he was already getting good at that, we told him, well, how about if you uh, will get some of the special lighting or equipment that you need, but you come and help us with this. So that was just like, I, I think that's a first trigger for us to see like, oh, we can involve the kids in the business so that was the, he, he went to the camera shop. He got a, a little tutorial from the, the owner who said, well, what do you need these lights for? And so Jonathan's our young, our oldest, but our son explained what he was doing. And then he got a whole tutorial on how to do product shots while he was there. So that just went from doing some simple photography. You know, a few months later, he was doing interest in doing videos. So he was just filming his friends. They would put these little productions on and he would have a little play. And so but he got better and better at all these different skills that we can pull and also use in the business. Yeah, and I think that was that was a, for a big moment. Aha moment, too. It wasn't like one single day, but it was happening so fast. It felt like a single moment is that we realized that was the secret instead of because kids have so many different interests. And it could be all over the place and usually it kind of peters out or they go on to the next thing or they want the next toy, it gets expensive or you start driving them around. And so we realized, well, the key here to really latch onto something that they can keep building that enthusiasm. So we didn't have to, to get him constantly prod him to get enthusiastic and not abandoned is by him delivering value for us. So he could see that it made genuine difference to us. He was behind the scenes. This wasn't about him. Our, our business did not talk about him. But he personally felt the impact of bringing value to us. So we were asked, well, wait a second. Why can't we tap into all the different personalities that our children have and bents? Right? So our kids are very different from each other. I'm sure every parent says that, that they realize even though coming from the same parents, each kid is very different. And so what we did is we tapped into their natural inclinations and bents and we cultivated it in a way that, okay, how can you bring value to us, first of all, at 11 or 12? and make a difference and that's what helps uh keep that longevity with with a child interested in a skill long enough they can develop that sort of liftoff phase where they're no longer you know like in traditional music playing people get frustrated and abandon their practice because they can't really deliver anything of value get that you can't get out of that phase and so that's what we notice is that if we can get them on to producing value that in itself starts driving the the inner motivation uh, of your teens at that point and the question in our conversation constantly with them is like well how can you deliver value to other people with your your talent or your skills skill set so 
And and also what would happen, especially with our our oldest, since he was our first little guinea pig experiment, is that over time it became not just photography, not just video editing, videography. Then he got into drones because that was he had a friend with a drone and he had a chance to use it and he loved the fact that he could fly this drone around and then take video. And so this is by the time he was 16, he that by then he was able to actually do drone photography for local real estate people and all of those little skill sets along the way it was not just doing photography for us but then he learned also other skill just everything you learn in business he's kind of watching us and he's learning taking mental notes and then he's getting better at his own skills because he wants to he's so mo- motivated by then that he wants to get better and better at doing his thing and he doesn't see it as I'm only doing this I'm only in the family business it starts to separate out a little bit yeah he pivoted out he of our our of, business pretty pretty early on I mean he still help us but he quickly found out that he could climb the ranks as far as making money. And I think we, well, there was two things. One, we had a, a family friend that was a very good salesperson, a salesman, and uh, he was on the phone a lot. And so we talked, I don't know who, who initiated, but we talked him into it. And he's like, well, I can teach your kid. I can give him some ideas on how to uh, promote his business, but I want something in exchange. So he had a big piece of property. And I think my son went out at that time and did a lot of lawn care, lawn care work. But he got, he got some cold calling experience with yeah. this guy. So the guy told him how to make a huge difference. So it, his, our son's confidence, and he's only 16 or 17 was just through the roof by then. So that he would go to these chamber of commerce meetings locally, talk about his drone business. And then fast forward to now, he, now he has had this same drone, business going on. He's self-employed, but he's at more of a, he enjoys training other people. So he's not the one out on the field so much anymore, but he's training these new uh, drone operators. And then he's figuring out all of the tech stuff and how to make things go run smoothly and easily. And so with each of our kids, he's the oldest, but we have five out of the house. Each has very unique, different skill sets, starting with how they could help us as a family or like one of them was a bladesmith, so he didn't really help too much in the family except sharpen our knives. But but at the same time, help in the community, help other people. And once they when kids start doing that, their their confidence goes up. They want to learn more, and we're just kind of providing the environment for that in a safe way because they're not out on their own trying to figure things out at 25. You know, trying to like, okay, I don't like this career that I just went to school for. I need to go pivot and find something else. But we're finding that start sooner, start when they're under your roof and you can help kind of coach them through that has made a huge difference. I've certainly seen the same with with my children. My eldest actually came to work for me while she was on furlough in lockdown. It was purely because who do I trust to do this task for me? And she knows who I am. She knows how I work because she's grown up with me running a business alongside her growing up. It just worked to the point where it was one project for a couple of days and it turned into about 18 months, (laughs) one day a week in the end. And it was just like, well, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. And she's gone on to, to go into a completely different career based on that first project that I gave her. And interestingly, when we were moving, we we were digging out all sorts of paperwork from the attic and this sort of thing. And we were finding like teacher awards that she was given in assembly for her writing skills. Yet she was talented and gifted and talented for maths and art. Yet the teacher saw something in in her English and now she's a copywriter. 
Oh, so, yeah. you know, it, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that by being involved, the value for her was a bit of extra pocket money. And so that she wasn't just sort of treading water with her time. She put that money into finding out more and learning more and progressing herself more. And I think it comes back around to, to what you were saying, Jonathan, about value is, you know, it's got to be practical, hasn't it, for our children? They're not interested. If you say to them, oh, you know, I'll give you pocket money, it really doesn't make any difference to them. But if you say, oh, well, if you want to go to the cinema or if you want to go shopping at the mall, or, you know, for some new clothes, I'll give you X amount to, to spend so you can buy that new top. Or So it's got to have a real value tagged to it than just the money doing that a lot of times we our sales will are seasonal and so when i had a regular income and it was more of an employee there's no there's no time to wait for a purchase or not it's just based on the value of whether or not it's worth getting for the kids right so but when we would wait for a sales camp it's like well wait why don't we get that what you want or need after the sales and so it gradually that wasn't our intention but it gradually taught them to res to respect money and and hard work and in fact all of our kids and i think that's become more visible and pronounced after they left the house because their circle of friends always look up to them as being the initiators they under they're not afraid to spend money but also they're also not afraid to save money so they they're very much connected to the output of the work that they do you get rewarded for and that was an amazing, uh, one of the amazing side, there were many side benefits. And that was one of the very powerful ones is that I think they're better money managers than we are. They started in with a clean slate, so to speak. And so we, we had those conversations all, always with them. It's like, well, okay, we don't have the money now, but if we do well with the sales and you've, you know, you've been helping us, then yes, we can consider getting that skateboard for you. This is what the younger age is, by the way. And you've taught them to take the lead for themselves. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that accountability and responsibility that that often there's there's that gap, isn't there, between them being yeah. children and leaving education, and suddenly they're an adult, and what are they going to do with that education? So, being able to apply it to something really just sets some great foundations. Them. And, you know, you mentioned your daughter being now into copywriting. And I think what's fascinating about that, one of the dangers of, of a formal education is whereas the content might be good in a particular course or in a particular class that you're taking, that's not the issue per se, though that could be another problem, is that you, you when you're good at, at something and you take your course, of course, the next thing is, well, then you need to go to the next level and then the next level because you're good at it. But there's no connection to, well, okay, well, do I want to actually, this is what I want to do for a living. Uh -huh. Maybe, maybe I'm good at it, but I actually hate the mechanics of what it takes to deliver the value in the real world. And so people discover that way too late in life where, and whereas there's other things that maybe because of the way it's labeled or packaged, you wouldn't think that the person would be into copy work, but actually if they could get their hands on it, not only would they be good at it, they would actually love it. And I think that's one thing we, we found out too with our kids. We are very, we have constant conversations and we do hundreds of mini pivots. So we don't abandon what we've done, but we're constantly pivoting. It's like, okay, what you did was interesting. You wrote these little stories, but no one's really responding to them. They're, they're not excited about it. But you notice that maybe if you're doing announcements about an event 
I'm making this up here, by the way, to make it easy <laughs> yeah. to, to see. Then you you notice people are really responding to you. Or people say, hey, could you write this for me? And then, then the child might start discovering, you know what? I really like writing in this particular way, in this particular style. And not only that, people want to give me money. So, and like you're saying, you connect this work and effort to maybe, you know, extra tickets to the cinema. And that's just... It's the reason and purpose. Oh, my goodness. It's the reason relevant. and purpose is relevant. And so instead of you trying to crank up, okay, let's take this uh, this discovery, self-discovery here in the United States. A lot of times schools will, uh, in, in the classrooms, will do some kind of self-discovery. What am I good at? Oh, therefore, I will be an accountant or therefore, I will be oh, something. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. usually completely yeah. devoid of the actual mechanics of whatever it is you're, you're trying to, to deliver. Do. So it's, yeah, it's, it's abstracted in the school, but it's not realistic. And uh, you hear this all the time from men well, my age, midlife I, I, crisis. <laughs> I can only say that Alice at 14 has just had to retake her options for her lessons to, for her exams. And where she was at the school was a fantastic school. And they were very highly driven because, you know, they were exceeding in their reports and standards Yet because Alice was kind of middle of the road, you know, and middle of the road kids, they don't shout up. They're just generally good. You know, she didn't get the actual options that she wanted because the kids that were really good at those got those. Even though she had a passion and a desire for those subjects and tried really hard. So the the difference in moving to, to this school in Scotland was that she could choose the teacher basically said, you choose what you want to do. And 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 you could hear in 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 her conversation with the teacher was like, well, I'm good at this. but I don't really enjoy it. And I really love this subject. And I'm OK at that. But I, I, my grades were going up because I loved it. And the teacher was great. And And I just sort of went, hey, hang on a minute. You come to school, you've got to also enjoy it. It's got to be something that's going to to gear you to want to get up out of bed every day and endure this, you know. So because this is kind of like the the building blocks for work. You work yeah. hard at education. You work hard in work for the rest of your life, you know, so that you can live a life. And I can honestly say that her decisions and that conversation with the teacher just went that she came out and went. This is way better than Aww, I ever imagined because she's yeah. now doing the what she wanted to be doing. So, you know, I can only encourage any parents out there to not fight. That's not the right word. But, you know, do what you can to be sure that your children are doing the things that they want to be doing. Well, and a fight is a good word. I think that is emotionally what it feels like because... There are so many, uh, it, you know, you live in a social context and social relationship, school just being one of them, but everybody's is like, how well are you doing? Right. So normally for a teenager, it's going to be, how well are you doing in school? And so it's a very set, you know, you have so much English, so much math, so much history and however they do it in, in Scotland there, but there's a certain measure, right? But well, let's say your child is very, very good at a hybrid of two or three of those subjects. Well, it's not going to be measured. So now they could get very good at that. And somebody were to artificially create and, and give it a stamp and say, okay, from 10 in the morning to 12 every day, you're going to get a grade on this. Your child could actually shine and be the best ever in that field. 
Well, well it because it doesn't it, yeah. it doesn't exist. You're fighting the status. So you're like, okay, she's just so so in English, or she's just so so in history. But maybe if you combine those things, she's the best copywriter or best novel writer that's ever existed. But you can't and measure it. She's, and so she's, you're as a parent, you're you're fighting that. You see the potential if you're paying attention, or maybe if you don't feel like you can see it because they don't actually have the time to explore that and really go at it. So, yeah, as a parent, that is what you're trying to do is you're trying to to sort of fight the system. And it's it's abstract. That's what's so difficult about it. Right. It's not like one teacher or your neighbors asking about how is your child doing in English? <laughs> you're like, yeah, English. It, it, <laughs> she's it, really it, good it, copywriter. <laughs> it's a it's a massive institution, isn't it? You know, it's very sort of set in its foundations of what it wants to gain and, and, and achieve and trying to move and change that there's there's a big movement uh, that that I've, I've just become aware of which is social values that universities are really trying to to sort of push because even they're seeing that you know it's it's okay to have a teacher that says how are you but if that teacher cannot affect any change based on the response what was the point of them asking you better not ask. <laughs> well, you know, where the value part is that that's the other thing is that's how we, you fight this uh, status issue. I call it a status. You can call it what you want. But that social pressure is like, how do you know? How does your teenager know they're doing well? How do you know as a parent your teen is doing well? Right. Because so if your markers are very institutionalized and you don't happen to fall exactly within those markers, which most of adult working life does not. Mm then how how do you get how do you feel that strength like yeah i'm doing great you know and you can't go around tooting your own horn as they say here but the one way to do that is to deliver real value once your cast teen starts making money off it could be a small amount it could be just ten dollars worth uh once they start making that money and people are genuinely saying thank you for the help so relatives don't count because they'll always say thank you but we're talking people outside the family who don't really need to, don't owe you that social obligation, but like, wow, that was good. And so they that's, come back for more and, and they come back for more. Right. That's what makes the difference. We're going to carry on that conversation in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about my power up program. An hour and a half with me and accountability later. It's by no means ever going to fix everything. But what it will do is it will allow us to find one area that's a key priority for you to implement straight away into your business and allow you to just see the other areas that you need work on. It's a great stepping stone into the 12-week building block program. Just book a chin wag, let's have a natter and let's see how I can help you. So what do you think of Renee and Jonathan's story so far? It's interesting, isn't it, that their whole pivotal conversation is the whole conversation. But of course, it's time for a Wendy Wu tip. And the one thing that strikes me in alignment and resonates hugely is that from that 2020 period, I needed some help with my own business and it was doing things that were way out of my comfort zone. So I drafted in my daughter. So who do you trust 
to do the things that you don't want to be doing in your business. Take a think. And I wonder, is there anybody in your family that can help? That's another problem, isn't it? Is, you know, that they could be anything. So how do you choose? And, and in lots of respects, by being able to guide them through what they are good at and what they love doing should really narrow and niche down that field for it to be easier for them to pick the what I want to be when I never grow up. That's also half the battle. You know, at 14, she has no idea what she wants to be. You know, at 28, she's just changed and never thought that she would be doing what she's doing now. So I can only I can only imagine how many listeners are going, that's my family all over and over and over and over. So how do we get better at this? Well, that's partly is, is starting young. And I think instead of seeing it as a negative I think it's also it's very positive that we can choose and switch because I think, you know, when I think about my parents, they stuck with the same job till retirement, you know, so they, it was always, you're locked in, this is what you do. And I think what an opportunity kids have and adults and even us, like if we decide we want to change to something completely different tomorrow, we can, we have, you know, it takes work and you have to know what, you're, what direction you're going to go, but you can. And that's the beauty of having Kids, even your daughter, if she may be really passionate about something today that might change tomorrow, <laughs> but you can also have all of the resources to let her throw herself into some of these things and see where it goes, because she might stick with one thing for three years straight and then add to it, maybe pivot a little bit along the way. But then she's only 14 now. Think of in the next four years, what 18 can look like by the time she's done. She could get so we have like a da- our daughter who is 20, almost 21 now, and she's always been very, very educationally. She had a hard time reading. She was a very late reader. You know, I felt the pressure like, oh, my goodness, her her younger brothers are passing her up. She hasn't learned how to read yet. <laughs> and they're, they're learning. I would try again, kind of work with her along with the next brother coming the up. The stereotypes that boys are always slower than girls. Yes. <laughs> right. uh, it, yeah, it's complicated. But she was so good. She would she would take a pen and paper and just draw. And what she could draw was amazing because we had so many picture books at her for her to just go through. We'd go to the library. And if we're just picking up books from the library, we made sure that the illustrations were amazing. And so she just would latch on to those books and she would just draw. And over time, she became an amazing artist. And the reading came late. But it came and then it came very fast and she caught up. So it was one of those just we could have stressed and and just kept going at the reading, which the, it just was not connecting in her brain at all. Or we could take that time and say, well, she, that's not her yet. So let's just allow the the drawing and the illustrations. And so now she decided she's become a graphic artist and she's amazing with her art and she has a twin brother who is a coder and he is amazing with the coding, they are complete opposites. But if we had put them together at the same level, doing the exact same thing because they have these buckets of knowledge or, you know, we have to do this this way or we have to finish this textbook, you have to do it. It would have been, it would have had a different, it would have been frustrating for one or both of them in one way or another. They just would not have become very good at what they do. They would have just been that average, right? They fit in that average 
and they wouldn't have had a chance to really take off. And we don't know it. We, by the way, when we do this stuff, we don't sit down at 11 and say, this we is don't their project future. their future. In fact, she, she was also, she had more than one interest as most kids do. She was very interested in horsemanship and learning how to train horses. And, and we, this is again, not our background. We have no, no skill sets in, in drawing artists, you know, and music. Well, that is not us, but our daughter showed these interests. And so we had an opportunity also for her nearby to even develop some of those horsemanship training things that she did. So she was able to merge those two together. So you're, you know, sometimes you don't know what direction she, and she wanted, she wanted to be the person who's like, mom, I want to be able to buy a horse, train it and then sell it. And so in her mind, that was her business idea. And in our mind, we're like, Oh, that's not going to work very well. <laughs> we don't have the resources. We don't have the, this is, that's a different road to take Like you're free to do that when you're on your own. But she had these. I'll let you figure that one out. Yeah, I'll let you yeah. figure that out once you're making money on the art. But we did have the resources and she had the ability to actually, you know, produce the art. And so she went down that road. Now she has her own, her own horse. She's off on her own. She's able to do that. And she's also saying that that's not really a moneymaker at this point. I mean, she could have developed that or she could go down that road if she wants to, but it's, it's a whole different road. But by the time she was able to leave our house, she did, she was able to have those skill sets with the art because we had the time. She could develop that. Yeah, I think too, you know, the add to this is that what will surprise you, and this is quite why it's, it's a simple answer to a complex way of how skill set emerges because you'll find that, let's say your child has a particular bent and you're thinking, okay, his bent is this. So therefore he won't like this other thing that has nothing to do with it. It'll surprise you because when they're, when they start pursuing it, like in the context of our child with the drone, there was really no indication that he liked to public speak or do any of that. But because in order for him to go to the next level, he had to cross that bridge. Mm-hmm. He fully embraced it. And I think that's one thing, too, is that even if they're not quote, good at it naturally, where they just sit down and just do it automatically, they decide, you know what? I love so much what I'm I, I want to do so much what I'm doing that the effort to wrestle with it and go through maybe a moment of difficulty is worth it for them. So that's that's an interesting thing, because, you know, in a formal academic setting, You'd be like, okay, I'm good at math. Therefore, I, I did well. I got A's or whatever it is. So therefore, I'm going to have to take the next one. But what happens if you're good somewhat in this area, but you like it so much that you're willing to go through the pain of putting yourself in front of a bunch of real estate grown men and you do it and you're like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. But without that interest and passion you driving you forward, they would not have taken that risk. So I think that's the organic part is that in life, uh, usually it's, it's a combination of skills together and they learn that early on that some things are worth wrestling at and doing and they make that decision. I mean, with some of our guidance, right? Cause sometimes we're thinking there's no way you're going like the horse flipping. Nope. We're not going to get stuck <laughs> yeah. with an expensive horse and property. Uh, we don't have the resources for that, but otherwise they're willing to do things like get up early. Like we'll have kids like no way these kids will want to get up early in the morning to, you know, get started on it. And it'll surprise you. They'll be up at the crack of dawn they're so motivated and are like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so this, you give this them is, time this, to do that. And it's what it's what comes through. I mean, we're we're talking on a very sort of personal level, but even on down to business, you know, because I do think that the two run so side by side that it's scary, and we're forgetting those values of where businesses initially sprung from, which was. 
you know, that your dad was a farmer, so you helped out on the farm and then eventually you inherited the farm. It's those kinds of examples of, of being family run that when you're in, it all comes down to self, doesn't it? If you're in flow with something, you will do, you'll, you'll drive yourself to do whatever it takes to stay where you love. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's very well put. That's very well put. And, and like you're saying with the one difference too for us is that we're not trying to clone our, our children to be like us as far as a business and so forth, but rather we're, we're using our business or in our case, we have that advantage, but you could do it. If you're an employee, you could still find ways to do that. We're using our, our, what we control as an opportunity for them to showcase what they're good at or at least develop it. So we're not trying to get them to sell lotion per se. I mean, you know, we'd be opposed to it if they were, but we're giving them like in the photography, right? It was an ex- our business was an excuse for them to test bringing value. And we had this in many different areas with our children. So as far as the business is concerned, they're not really visible on it, but they're in the background. And so anyone, including if you're an employee, like I remember back when I was an employee, we're always, I'm always worried about my certifications in that field. And then you have to put it on LinkedIn. I hated LinkedIn back mm-hmm. in the day. It's gotten better, apparently. And, uh, and you know, who's seen this? There's just a lot of pictures need to be taken of me. It's just like, ah, oh, this is not my thing. But if you had a child who was good at any number of those particular things, you can imagine that you could bring them in, even as an employee doing some stuff for you in the background. There is always an opportunity uh, within your social environment. Your, I'm talking about your immediate social environment, friends that you know, people that you trust. They're all doing different things, and you can open those doors to your child to bring you know, genuine value. So not the fake value, right, where – that's a lot of times when people feel like when they're in these clubs and hobbies, they're doing things. Yes, it's sophisticated, but they're they're almost like party tricks. No one's really appreciating the, the value that's being delivered. Yeah. yeah so you need to find opportunities where it makes a difference. I think the final thoughts that I would put to that really from both of you is that when it comes to running a business, it doesn't matter what your passion is. It doesn't matter where your flow is going to be. There is always, always, always going to be elements of running that business that you're not going to like, that you're going to have to do. A bit like going out into the world, you know, and there's people at school that you don't like or they don't like you. There's always going to be that peer pressure in any environment, but it's worth it if it's something that's that you're driven for. When listeners have finished hearing us trying to set the world on fire and uh, and get parents, you know, fires lit for their children. Where's the best place for them to reach out and find out more about how you actually help? Because we've, we've talked about the concept, really. We've not gone so deep into the, the how you work with people in your business. But where's the best place for them to go? The best place is the parenttheirpassion.com. And on that page, we have a lot of information because, like I said, it's, it was a mindset switch for us because you're always looking for those opportunities. And so there is a free download and that can get parents started right away to have an understanding of uh, where how do you find those interests with those kids and where are the opportunities? What do you look at? Uh, kind of opens up a lot more. One thing we like to say, it's all under your roof. That's the amazing thing. You don't have to go take courses and so on. This is all, this is all under your roof. What you have for your kids to develop their own interests is under your own roof. And we teach you how to find those. Find, look in the attic, look in the basement, not literally. 
But the, so on our on our main page, there is a free download you can get, and that will also put you on our email list. Which some of the emails that we put out start to identify and and show that journey that it takes for parents and kids to get started. And then if those who are really interested and they want to get them on board now, we have a $27 workshop for kids to take. So Jonathan and I are talking to the kids in in short uh, video snippets to say, okay, this is step one. Let's help you identify some of those interests. And then we take them through a whole like a self-discovery to see what those interests are and how they can merge them with other interests. And then the goal is to bring value. So that's that's where it goes from there. Well, for $27, that's an amazing value. And a 50-year-old can take it too. A 50-year-old can take it. You, you mean I, I, those of us I need, in our 50s you want me to figure it out now I was quite enjoying not knowing <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it that nurturing your children's abilities and them being involved with sustaining your family lifestyle really does allow them to go on into the real world with great foundations and experience. I'd love to hear your own examples of this and whether there's an opportunity for you to make that change for yourselves. Next time on the show, we're going to be delving into the world similar to that TV show. Did you ever watch Mad Men? We've got a guest here that comes from that scene. And boy, is it a big conversation. If you want people excited about your business, you have to get them excited about your marketing. Mm -hmm.